Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. With this protest today, I, I, and this happens, I think, with lots of protests, I kind of shake my head. I understand that, you know, people want to voice their concern and opinion on things. But it seems to me that when it's gotten to the protest stage, the decisions have been made. You know, it's not like Queens Park or Ford or anybody who's kind of overseeing how we're stepping through this pandemic is going to say, oh, yeah, maybe these protesters, uh, these anti-vaxxers, maybe they're right. We'll change our mind on all of this. And for them to go to a place, a hospital, which inevitably we all need, they'll end up there themselves or a loved one will, to cause trouble, to to already to put more stress on the lives of nurses and doctors who have already been stressed enough, to put stress on people who are going in for treatments, people who many under, say, cancer, are compromised health-wise right now, and the last thing they need is to be concerned about trying to find their way through a sea of anti-vaxxed people. Like, I get it that you don't believe, but do you not have a heart either? Like, do you not care? You know, a hospital is a place where, for many, it's, it's at the, you know, one of the worst experiences you go through. If you've ever had to go to emergency or take somebody in, a loved one who is dying, it's stressful I, enough to have to deal with you people as well. It's too much. I, I think for those people who are taking part in this protest, they, they've uh, they they feel certainly infringed upon mm. uh, and, and to the point of anger, uh, and and in many cases, I think feel almost alone. And so getting together in a group mm. is is a, a situation that they want. Well, then go to a park and have right. a picnic. Well, and herein lies the problem is that, you know, protesting in front of the hospital, while it will do nothing to uh, actually improve the situation for them, mm. it is the place where they'll get the most attention mm-hmm. for being there. The problem is is they're not helping their cause because the negative attention that they're getting is is, is only going to be even more accelerated because it's not people only with COVID who are going to the hospital, mm-hmm. right? If, if you have a loved one who's having a heart attack and that ambulance is slowed by a crowd uh, getting to the hospital, then then all of a sudden you are absolutely livid against those people. And and you're right, people who are in for cancer treatment and, or, or any other routine checkup Mm -hmm. that have to be delayed by it uh, will be just whether or not they agree with the message or not at that point when you're going to the hospital it's not a fun and happy situation to go to Mm. neither if you're working there right yep it's a for for most it's been a very difficult time Mm -hmm. over the last 18 months having to work in that hospital environment there may be a few who agree with the sentiment but they don't want to have to go through a crowd in order to get to work no matter what. Yeah, it's not the place to be yelling and screaming and intimidating people. It's, uh, as uh, one ICU nurse says, it's demoralizing, it's disheartening. There are nurses who say they're so disturbed by the whole thing that they're just going to take the day off and they're not coming in. And this is at a time still where, you know, hospitals are a busy place. We don't need a lot of nurses staying at home because they want to avoid you. I will say this, though. Where else do they go? Right, Because they want to get their message across. If you say, listen, if you want to protest, go to Queen's Park and protest. That's where they make the law. And that's you know what Doug Ford is saying. The problem for Doug Ford is he's not there. Mm. He shut down his legislature. So 
where else do they have to really protest and get that that message across? I don't agree with what they're doing. Certainly, slowing. You want to stand in, in, in around the hospital uh, in and not interfere mm. with people getting it a silent protest you have the right to do that but the second you step in the in front of someone who's either trying to go save someone or be saved mm. at the hospital you're certainly crossing that line but i understand their frustration at the ford government because it's shut down and that's what andrea horvath was saying she's like well let's open up the legislature uh, so that they can pass uh, you know a law mm-hmm. a rule that you can't protest in front of a hospital it's a, a, a safe zone and a a no-go zone uh, for protesting. But uh, at the same time, if he's not there, then, you know, I don't think they'll get the attention they want if they just gathered in a big park. You know, I just, I read a story yesterday about a guy, and this is in the States, and numbers are different there than here, but the same things can unfold. This poor guy, he ended up going to like dozens and dozens. The number, I think, ended up being like 40 different hospitals. Try, he needed emergency something or other. He had to get into ICU. I don't even know how he lived that long, uh, or if he did live. I'd have to go back and read the story. I heard it uh, um, briefly, but he, uh, I guess, couldn't get into any ICUs because they were all full of COVID patients. I mean, this... This, I think, is my point to all of this. A hospital is a a central point of any community, and we all need it eventually. You know, you can protest a lot of different things because maybe uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be a part of your life. But a hospital will always be a part of your life at at some some point. point, For you to yell and scream at the people that work there and then go and beg them to save your life, you got a lot of balls. This is an odd story. A coffin was accidentally discovered in a pond at a golf course in Lincolnshire, England. A coffin? A coffin found at the bottom of a pond during a hot, dry summer, 2018. Archaeologists and others have been uh, studying this coffin since then. It is said that inside were the remains of a 4,000-year-old man who was buried with an axe. Experts say the coffin was made from hollowing out an oak tree trunk, and they believe that the man had been important because his body was cushioned with plants. The axe was well-preserved and probably a symbol of authority rather than a tool. The whole thing is uh, undergoing uh, preservation work, and when it's completed, it'll be exhibited at a museum. Wow. Yeah. I think there'd be much left of the dude for 4,000 years. <laughs> that, that and with all the uh, the golf ball pickers. <laughs> I've been swatting against that tree trying to dig golf balls yeah. out of that pond for 4,000 years. Poor guy's at the bottom of a pond. It's just <laughs> hanging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm down out here. <laughs> Don't throw me a Titleist. <laughs> throw me a rope. If you're a fan of Matt Damon and you've tried to look him up on social media, uh, you won't find him. And there's a reason for that. He says, I just never saw the point. He says, and I feel better and better about that decision as time goes on. He said, I understand wanting to be connected to everybody on Facebook, but my life is so full with the people I already have in it. He says, I'm connected to everybody I need to be connected to. And then with Twitter, I just reflectively didn't, uh, didn't believe that my first knee-jerk response to something was necessarily something that should go all over the world. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think we've had this discussion about social media and, and how it, it, can, it certainly we can see it now playing out in the trouble it, it causes. Uh, I've always had this kind of feeling about it all that 
I get the people that I need to share with in my life are in it already. I find it interesting that Matt Damon doesn't have it because it seems like he would or seems like he's all over it anyway, right? I mean, he's got a number of causes. Mm. I think it's uh, with clean drinking water, I think, is one mm-hmm. of his biggest uh, in Africa. Um, and, and he's always, you know, had this long-going great bit with Jimmy Kimmel mm-hmm. that's all always posted over social media. But I guess it's not from his it's social media. It's not his media. own personal thing. His yeah. water thing is his water. And yeah, yeah the, the but, I mean, with those kind of causes, you think that you'd want to have social media to to share those, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and he's, I think, very uh, politically active as well, but... but I guess not using social media for that platform. He's just not one to say, hey, look at me flying in a private jet yeah. to the Venice Film Festival. You yeah. know? And listen, at, at his level of celebrity, it's probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. And, and for most people, the second you put something out there, it, it you know, we may put it out there looking for positive, but it's not necessarily what's coming back. And if you're going to take a stand on things mm-hmm. and and certainly get controversial in how you do it, you're just opening your opening yourself up uh, for you know probably more massive disappointment mm-hmm. than massive approval. You know, look, he's he's such a huge star now. Yeah, he's at the top of the uh, the game, so he doesn't really need to reach out to anybody. People need to reach out to him, right? right. You know, had had his life not taken off the way it did, and had uh, Goodwill Hunting and all of that not been the massive success it was, then he'd for sure be on social media saying, "I just wrote a script called Goodwill Hunting. Want to read it?" Right. You know, I mean, he'd be certainly uh, probably a different person. He says he does have an Instagram account, but it's private, and there's only about 76 followers on it. And he says, I've only done about 40 posts since 2013. So, yeah, he, uh, I, I've, always, I've always liked the cut of his jib. There's something about Matt Damon that I've always thought was a decent and, and a good guy and somebody you could probably hang with. It doesn't seem like the ego is too out of control. He seems pretty, pretty grounded. Um, it, I, I find it interesting, you know, from the, uh, from the, just the sports perspective on, uh, on how things work with social media and just, and how quickly it happens. Like, like sports stars this weekend, you know, uh, Leila Fernandez, uh, the Canadian yeah. tennis player was, it was such a, a massive story, uh, in, in the U S being the U S open, the last, uh, U S woman uh, to get through there got to the quarters was Shelby Rogers. Mm. And right away, um, she pointed out on social media the negative impact that it's had. Right? Like you, she went quickly from being you know America's superstar to talking about feedback that she was getting about her weight and that she was mm. too slow and, and just you know the amount of negative that they have to sustain just by you know yep. being there. Who right? wants it? Yeah, who wants it? I uh, I mean I know personally for me if if we didn't do this job I, I would post next to nothing mm. i mean if i post anything personal it maybe twice a year maybe yeah and that is it also because i have nothing going on in my life to share anyhow <laughs> it's only been 44 years since france executed a criminal with a guillotine they executed a convicted murderer by chopping off his head in 1977 really and they didn't abolish the death penalty until 1981 they were still, still using the guillotine in '77. Yeah. yeah, it is so <laughs> like nasty, barbaric, very barbaric. No, you know, like like to have a head completely severed. Yeah, uh, and I remember you know, as a kid. I, I've been as far as England. I haven't been to France, but I, I remember going to the Tower of London where they used to execute mm. uh, there. It just 
you know, it was on public display how yep. they did it. Send a message. Right. And it was, you know, and, and I think there's probably still some who say it probably should happen now. Right. And it, that sending that message, whether or not it's just death penalty stuff, and although it's done a lot more humane mm. now, but just to, to have that every now and then, you got to have that fear. Right. I read a book a few years back on the last suppers of uh, men on death row in the U.S. Because the story goes, and I don't know if this is still true. That <laughs> it's a fun all, nighttime read. That was a good read. Uh, it was very interesting because. I guess it's always been that if a, a guy's getting executed in the morning, then he gets to pick his final yeah. meal, right? They can have whatever they want. And some, it's very elaborate. And others, it's just like, I'll take a pint of ice cream. Yeah. You know? uh, but as I read it, I just thought to myself, I know me. I wouldn't be able to eat that last meal because I'd be so <laughs> nervous about, I don't know, dying in the morning. Try to get a good night's sleep the yeah. night before you're executed. Right. Not so much. Uh, humans are the only animals that can blush and perhaps the only species that can feel embarrassment. Blushing appears to be a unique human expression, which happens when blood vessels in the face dilate when we're embarrassed. Okay. Yeah. So you'll never see an embarrassed monkey. I, I think other animals just poop themselves. That's, yeah, that's their sign. Right. Poop and run. The, I love this. The oldest known Yiddish text is a letter... From the 1560s, it's from a mother to her son complaining he doesn't write to her enough. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been the 1560s, but moms haven't changed. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Until 1915, it was illegal. It was legal. Oh, sorry, it was legal, not illegal. Until 1915, it was legal to mail a baby through the U.S. Post Service. Wow. Yeah. You're not going to believe what we got in the post box today. You <laughs> <laughs> been on Amazon again? <laughs> Enough already. Yeah, babies being dropped off. The green computer code in the Matrix. Remember all that uh, squiggly right, writing? Yes. Uh, it wasn't nonsense, but it was a bunch of sushi recipes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, the golden retriever named Buddy played Comet on Full House, and also played Air Bud in the first Air Bud movie. Oh, okay. He died in 1998 at age nine. You think they're paid well? The trainers are. Yeah. Yeah, probably. The also, dog guess, who does all the work. Yeah. Well, I guess by by right, that would be both of them, right? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, he's I, doing it for treats. Yeah, yeah. I've always said the same about horses. You know, these horses do all the work, racing. Right. But the rider and, and the owner. Get all the rewards. And the trainers. Yeah. yeah. And the poor horse gets a carrot. <laughs> Thanks for that. I went back to the racetrack another another Uh-oh. week. Uh-oh. But my uh, my horse, Usain Colt, wasn't there. What happened to him? Well, I don't know. Dog food. <laughs> <laughs> we can laugh at that because the horses don't understand that right, joke. yeah. That's that's what we do. We'll have horses protesting outside the studio now. Oh yeah, I have concerns about you. Two trips to the uh, to the ponies. uh, That that, that means we were training the kids. That means yeah. Well, they they come from a long line of degenerate gamblers. Yes, (laughs) prove to them that we make bad bets. Uh, Teddy bears were uh, named after and invented after Teddy Roosevelt. I heard that. Yes, was a huge hit. That was true. Yeah, it was a huge hit. So a toy company tried to recreate the formula with the next president, William Howard Taft, and sold stuffed possums called Billy Possums. They didn't catch on so much. No doubt. No.
And finally, the bacteria population in just your mouth. Oh, man. Is larger than the entire human population on Earth. This is why you might want to brush your teeth this morning. Think about that next time you go for a big, deep French kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Some guy who was about to roll over and get a leg over this morning had the alarm on. He's like, shut up, Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, if we're on your radio at your bedside and you're trying to get a leg over, first of all, (laughs) good luck with that. No woman wants to have sex listening to me chime on. I'll tell you that. I live with one. He's here, Teddy Reader, Helinda's Meats. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Greggy. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Ted. How are you? Ah, living the dream, having some fun, looking forward to to a day of barbecue. Lots going on, lots to cook, lots to make tasty. And football season started, you know. That's right. You're Steelers once again. You got uh, high hopes for them this year. Yes, I do, but, you know, then I'll get depressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, they beat the Bills, and, that, and that's uh, a big start to their season, I guess. And and normally when we start off uh, the uh, this football season, we talk about football eats, and uh, we hadn't had a chance to do that yet, but I saw that uh, chicken wings were on sale, and I thought, man, let's ask Teddy about doing some chicken wings. Ah, uh, the mighty chicken wing. you got to love the chicken wing. Love them. Um, <laughs> For me, the, 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 there's two styles of wings. Well, there's multiple styles, but the, the first is there's little wings or there's big wings. And you have to determine uh, whether you're a little wing lover or a big wing lover. Mm. I like big, juicy wings. My buddy, Chef Rob Rainford, uh, he likes small wings. Mm. And so and we always have this argument about which wing is better. And I'm like, no, man, a wing that's got some meat on it is a better wing. And he's like, no, the, the meat's sweeter on the smaller bone. And I'm like, okay. So he has a point, and I have a point, and we'll always disagree, but we love our wings. Beautiful. And, and that's the thing, too. You notice at some restaurants, the wings are really big and fat and juicy and plump. I never see them in the store necessarily like that. Is there a trick to pumping up your and plumping up your wings? Well, putting them into a brine will, will help keep them nice and moist. Okay. And so... Your brine is a salt, water, sugar mixture. Uh, I like to other, add other aromatics in there, like, you know, depending on a little bit of beer, some fresh herbs, maybe uh, chopped up orange, some garlic, some ginger, whatever flavors that you want to create. And the key to a wing, though, is it needs to be crispy on the outside, and it needs to be moist and juicy on the inside, and it needs to peel away uh, simply and sweetly from the bone. Now, that's, that's the key. The flavors don't matter. Okay. Well, Ted, let's go quickly then, because let's go quickly through the two different types of, of grills then, because if you're going to do them on your regular gas barbecue, uh, propane or natural gas, you've got to make sure you don't have a four-alarm fire uh, when you do your wings. And then the others who have smokers, uh, let's compare the two ways to cook them then. All right, if, if you're going to use a gas grill, uh, there's two styles that I do. If, I, if I'm using my gas grill, I put uh, a drip pan under the top rack, and I put the wings up on the top rack first, and I close the lid, and I have the grill set at about 425 degrees, and I roast those wings on the top rack so that they render the fat, and it, gets, it drops down into like a little aluminum foil pan. Uh. All right? 
because you don't want to just add that into the bottom of your grill because eventually it'll just burn and then it'll catch fire. And then you'll just have a crappy fire, <laughs> right? And crappy wings. Yeah. They just get all black and sooty. So on the top rack, drip pan underneath, catch the juices. When they're three-quarters of the way cooked, which what at that point would be, I would say, you're around 150 degrees. And then down onto the grill and let them go on the grill. And turn the heat down, lid open, and watch them cook and crisp them up on all sides. It might take you five, six, ten minutes, depending on how hot or how slow you want to go. And season them with a little extra of whatever spice you used. Then apply, I like to apply the sauce when they come off the grill. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So some people like a drier wing, and uh, especially my wife, the divorce lawyer who cooks breakfast. <laughs> um, she, she likes a crispy wing. And and unsauced, and I like uh, a, a sauce to dip it. And then my kids like them saucy. Mm. So I have the sauce at the end, and it's always key to warm your sauce. Okay. Okay. That's a smart move. Yeah, not one that I had thought of doing before. Now, put it in the microwave just for a few seconds, and, uh, and then toss it on. You add hot sauce to hot wings to keep the wings hot. Yeah. It also helps them stick nice. Okay, beautiful. And Good thing for wings, you know. Right. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, well, I was just going to, and, and so the, the smoker method, we're doing those, uh, you know, I've heard that the, the smoke turns the, the wings pink, so you've got to kind of get through that color. Right. So a smoked piece of chicken, of any kind of chicken, uh, it's going to be a little bit pink down uh, on the outside, but also down into the bone on a wing. And so you want to make sure that the internal temperature is always, and I think the best internal for a wing is about 185 to 195 degrees. All right, because it'll just slide right off the bone. Right. Especially on those flats. You know, if you can suck, the art of a wing is if you can suck the meat off of a flat and have the two bones there all clean. Then you're a magician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And very popular, I understand. Um, <laughs> now, uh, Teddy, it is amazing with the chicken wing because for decades, forever, uh, they were the part of the chicken that got thrown away, right? They were just like, oh, this is a waste, and they toss them. Today, and I guess thanks to Buffalo, unless my history is wrong, uh, they are probably the most popular part of the chicken now. They are. And uh, if farmers could figure out how to get four wings on one bird, uh, it would be great to keep yeah. up with the supply. But it, it's, it's a tasty treat. It's great if you do it in your smoker. But just remember, if you're going to smoke it, uh, the skin isn't going to get crispy. You're going to need to crank up that heat to crisp up the skin. All right. So you, you take it up to that you know, 185 or 175 and then just finish them on the grill. Uh, crank the heat up and get the, the skin crispy, and then they'll be absolutely wonderful. Beautiful, Teddy. If people want to talk wings or any eats around the NFL, how do they get a hold of you? You're going to find me up at the Joint Barbecue. That's where you'll find me at Ted Grills. Cheers, man. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.